coming up in one minute on the Jack and Around podcast. It was a slow song. I wrote it in the back of the bus, you know, water, blah, blah, blah. I was like, this is, this is a good idea. And David and, and Justin were up in the front. And I said, I think I got a pretty good song. And we wrote the verses and the bridge and everything within just a few minutes. I mean, it was... It took me a while to understand what you were getting at. You would tell me that, you know, a million people would give their teeth to have what you have. You I know? swear, man, every time I go to your shows, I, I see people so happy. And it's, it's, just, it's a joyous... It just took me a long time to understand that, Jack. Yeah. It, it, I didn't get it. And, it, and then there's also the, you know, I mean, I'm not saying sobriety, but just not drunk. God, Jesus Christ, you don't have to be shit-faced right. to do this. Right. You know? Don't be so serious. You're looking at me like, <laughs> you've been there too, asshole. <laughs> Pat, I feel for you. <laughs> I, I, I hear your struggle. <laughs> this is the Jack and Around podcast, hosted by two-time Academy of Country Music Award winner, Jack Ingram. And now... Here's Jack. The Jack Around Podcast is brought to you by Lone Star Dry Goods, a collection of handcrafted quality goods with a truly unique Americana vibe. Visit the world headquarters in the heart of downtown Abilene, Texas, and Willow Park, Texas, in Fort Worth. Visit LoneStarDryGoods.com for more information. Welcome to the Jack Around Podcast, available on your favorite audio platforms and in video on YouTube. For links and info, visit JackingAroundPodcast.com. Well, you know. It was a decade of my life. I don't recall, but <laughs> I remember that decade. Yeah, you were you were flying high. Yeah, it was fun. It was great. There was great moments and there were bad moments. But I'll tell you, I the the moments that um, the moments towards the end where I realized that it's not great to be the drunk guy on stage. Hey, I don't mean to interrupt, but how often both of you guys? are looking at some of these younger artists that are just drinking every night. How often do you just want to go, hey, man, this is all fun and games until you turn 40 or That's whatever. That's the thing. They don't, you don't know it till you're 40. You don't know till you're 45. Well, I'm not sure you're supposed to. And I don't, but I, 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 listen, I had and have had a great career. And there has been some glaring moments of holy shit, you're you're way too far out there to be on stage right now. Right, I've, I've had that. Um, <coughs> What'd you do? Just, just barrel through it. Well, you were there a couple of times actually. I can remember twice that you were there. One was at Alston City Limits, and you weren't hammered. I wasn't hammered, but I was drunk enough where I could not. You were nervous, I could not man. focus. That's the thing. And I am a, I'm a focus guy on stage, right? You just, if I can focus on what I'm doing, then I don't really, nothing really bothers me. Nothing comes in the periphery. But if I'm not in focus, then anything, any little thing is. Just knocks you out. Oh, man. And like, if, like, uh, uh, you know, like Brendan Anthony would see that in me and he would not pay me attention on stage because he could see that I was losing. So you didn't want to set anything off? 
And he would turn. And when he turned, my ears would turn bright red and my face would just go. Yeah. Um, that's a terror. That's, that's an anxiety attack. I, I, yeah. <laughs> that's a panic yeah, attack. Well, I mean, but I, I mean, you know it as well as anybody. Okay. The, the first, the, the 10 minutes before you go on stage, is you're in this it's like you're in this weird little cocoon yeah and all you can hear is the sound of your voice within your own ears it's like that to me yeah right it's it, it, and and then i see i see the people and then i see my band and then i feel my instrument and then i eventually i'm just like Okay. Right. Time to go. And then I don't remember. I don't remember about 15 minutes of life at all. I just get on there and go. And I'm like, I get three songs into it. I'm like, okay. Right. Here we go. Right. Just don't say anything for the first 15 minutes. Right. Tell them to drink. Y'all drink your beer. I'm back green. Three songs. And then say something. But if I start talking, <laughs> when I'm in that moment, yeah, oh, it's, it's. I usually say stuff I regret. Really? Yeah, I say, I don't know why. I just don't. I, I like. I don't have a. I don't have a monitor, and I don't. In my, I don't. I um. Do you get lost? I, it's not that I'm lost. It's that I'm. It's that I. I I don't really care what anybody thinks about me. I'm saying exactly what I want to say, and then it comes out, and it's like, oh, it's not, it's not that good. Whatever, I don't care. That's funny. You do care. I do care, but it's like I, at that moment, I don't have any concept of self-control. That's funny, man. It just comes out, and it's usually embarrassing. How come you don't know what you want to say? I don't, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like that's like when you, I like, I, I remember one time we were doing a show um, in Austin, not in Austin, at Cedar Park, Cedar Park. And I'd been watching Bill Burr uh -huh. for like two hours that day. And I just went off on, I basically regurgitated some of his bits. Yes. And his stuff is. He's a professional. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm a professional singer. He's a professional comedian. Yeah. I, <laughs> and I attempted to do that and it was so off the chain. How'd you get out of it? I didn't. I didn't. That's the part about you that has always astounded me. How I've seen you do that where. Yeah. Where you'll get in the middle of something. I'm not giving it up. And you don't give it up. And and I'm like, okay, here's here it goes. Here's where the train's gonna come off. <laughs> and people just love you. Like it it's a trip, man. You like whatever you feel about it. That's I've told you that in Lubbock, and I told you that at ACL and I was like, I see people enjoying you at a at a level and a rate that I don't see very often. Like they they just envelop you and embrace you. I'm just tired of the off the rails. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, the, the off the rails guy was fun, and I've seen Todd do it. I've seen you do it. 
I've seen me do it way more than anybody that I know. When I get off the rails and I just get onto that thing, um, I'm just tired of it. Because it, now, it, like I said, like when you're 50 years old, it's not cute anymore. Right. It was cute when you were 30. So when did you start realizing, oh, boy, I better, I better figure this out? I think it was about 2015 or 16 where I was like, I realized, man, you're you're going too far. You're going, um, you know, well, not, not going too far. I, I was worried about my health. And I think we, we spoke about it many times since then. I, I just worried about, am I going to live mm-hmm. very long? And um, I got tired of disappointing my wife, tired of disappointing myself, my band, my friends. Right. Um, I'm not saying I've been perfect since I made that recognition. I certainly haven't. You know, I haven't. But uh, yeah, but it's been on your mind. I mean, that's that's part yeah, of, and, part and, of perfection. Well, I think the cool thing is I'm making an effort about it. You know, and then when I lose, I lose, and when I win, I win. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but you know. I was never a fall down drunk. I'm just kind of a, an idiot. <laughs> uh, don't be so serious. You're looking at me. <laughs> You've been there too, asshole. <laughs> Pat, I feel for you. <laughs> I, I I hear your struggle. <laughs> you you were never a fall down drunk. You were you were a trip. It's kind of a goof. You were yeah. You were a trip down. Goof. Yeah. Man, I, I you know, I don't mind. I don't mind that I I had the the crazy fun tumultuous times on stage and in my life. Because it's my life. It's not your life. It's not anybody else's life. That's right. Right? It's my experience to get through. And not only that, and you got through fairly swimmingly well fairly shit yeah you know um i i'm just saying and i'm not trying to be cocky i'm just saying man what a fun life that's what we got out of you know that's that's the only thing and i'm married to a beautiful smart girl i've got great kids and um yeah man i have made some amazing mistakes amazing so when you look back on that stuff, the, the, but I have, the mistakes, uh, the fuck ups, the whatever, do you, is it one of those things where you go, all in all, I'll take it, I wouldn't change a thing, or do you have some real regrets? Man, yeah, yeah, of course, there was some moments I would take back. And I, I don't think that there's anybody in this life. Um, is there anything musical you'd take back? Uh, there's a few songs I would take back. Um, that I didn't think were up to snuff. Um, uh, there, there are there. You know what I really would think about is there. There's a few fans that I'm like, man, I wish you hadn't been upset that you paid money to come and you didn't get what you wanted. That's the because one. because I decided to do something before the show. Right. I, I mean, there's a few of those nights where I'm just like, man, I'm. Mm. But I've done. Free shows to kind of, 
not to cover up for it, but I'm like, hey, man, I did this, so here's the free show, and nobody's perfect. I mean, Jesus. And, um, and it's not it's not an easy thing to do to live in to live a public life and and nobody gets upset with you. Yeah, that's impossible. It just doesn't happen. So, um, yeah, my mistakes are public, and so what? Move on. So, how do you get through the twenty minutes before and after a show these days? Oh, I mean, it's it's well, it's well, I'm not going to say it's nothing, but it's a lot easier because I know I know what's going to happen. I know I'm not going to miss my lyric. I know that I have a teleprompter in front of me, even though I never look at every it. Every night? Every night. When did you start doing that? How Does that make it? it, it I never look at it. Because you know it's there. But I just need to know it's there. You know? Did you start forgetting words? Always. I've always forgotten words. I mean, I think you do too. You have to. I forget. The only thing I ever forget is the first line of a song. And once I get the first line, it just comes back. That's the point. Everybody has their thing. All right. I don't really forget the lyric, but if it's on a piece of, if it's on the teleprompter right there, I don't even have to look at it. Right. But if I see that teleprompter turn off because of a power outage, (laughs) right. It's just, it's, it's, Sting get, has I one, Willie has one, Bruce has one. I'm, I'm not saying that I'm either, any of those guys. I'm just saying that having that there makes it easier for me to not think about yeah. lyric, think about entertaining people. Right. I would think that when you get over saying it's a crutch is when it becomes just an asset. It's just a, just something to help you. I I don't give a rat's ass if anybody sees it. I don't care. You know, once I was at a, uh, I was at a sting show and I was sitting up in the, uh, like right on side stage. And I looked down and he had his teleprompter right in front of him and it was scrolling as he sang a line. I was like, Oh, if Sting can do it, I can do it. <laughs> you know? uh, That's pretty great. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't know. I've thought about it before, but just never. It does require another person. That's the thing that it does require. Oh, it does. Well, you have to have somebody actually doing it. I do. Um, but it's actually Phil that does it. Um, but uh, yeah, I was yeah. Because if it screws up now i can't it's one of those things where now i can't not have it well that's what i that's what i've always thought like like, just like i'm sure you you'll agree with this like before iphone before cell phones i knew every phone number in my head and now i i couldn't tell you i could tell you mine maybe but you just forget i could still tell you greg henry's uh telephone number in waco texas I watched I watched y'all's jacking around. That um, was fun. He is uh, he is just such an important part of my life, and um, and watching y'all talk about our life together was a, a, a treasure to me. Well, it was fun for me too. It, it was. And he was half of my life. Well, arguably, 
The most important half. Yeah, man. Like on business wise, the yeah. fact that he, y'all were sitting there having lunch or whatever, and he and you, somebody walked by with a Jack Ingram shirt, and you go, "That's what I need." Somebody walking around with my shirt on. Speed up forward, and he goes, "All right." And he maxed out he his credit, a credit card, card, and you gave and you gave them all away. <laughs> and as Which soon as he so said true. that, I go, "Of course, that of course." I remember doing that all the time. You're like. Oh, that's cool. Just take one. I, as a matter of fact, I could I could describe to you the credit card. It was a Wells Fargo card. Yeah, <laughs> I think he had eleven hundred dollars max credit and <laughs> ten dollars a shirt. And I yes, I gave all those shirts. After away. a couple of weeks, he's like, "All right, I'm going with you." <laughs> but you know, he was always you know we we argued some. But we were always very, we were we were so we we really cherished our friendship. Mm-hmm. Like it was our friendship was well, like ours, like yours and mine. It was not a BS deal, right? You know, and um, so yeah, he you know <laughs> he was like, man, uh, Pat, no, I love you. You spent a thousand dollars of my money last week. <laughs> <laughs> If you wouldn't mind knowing him like you know him now, <laughs> yes, I mean you know, and he, every, every nickel counts. Yeah, man. Uh, but I just we that that friendship has never changed. That that relationship has always been. Uh, I, I love him so dearly, and and him and Jeff Griffin, uh, those two people. Um, I mean, we grew up within six miles of each other all of our lives. You know? Did you know them in high school? No, uh, no. Um, they they were more the China Spring. I was the Bosky Bill, which was it was you know separation of I don't know fences. Some, yeah, fences. It wasn't anything. Um, and and I I just I knew of the Henrys. I knew of uh, of you know. The Griffins and the Henrys, and you know they were, you know they were just the boys, you know. Right. Um, uh, I don't, I you know, and the three. The truth is, I don't know if I ever played basketball against them or anything like that. There's no pictures. I went back and looked. You know, aren't you a little older than them? I'm a little, like two old, two years older. Yeah, but um, it matters, right? Right. Who cares? Um. But not not like Gary. I mean, Gary's my age, right? Uh, actually, Gary's my brother's age. But blah blah blah. It doesn't matter. Those guys, uh, we were growing up at the same time in the same place, and then we ended up being friends in our twenties when music was the only thing that mattered. Yeah, man, it was a good crew for you. They were they were your people. Oh, great people. Great people. Now. What about songwriters, man? Who who? I love uh, Rodney Foster. I loved writing with him. I loved writing. Uh, Pinson was great. Uh, um, I think the I, th- I think the one that made the most sense to me was Walt Wilkins. I, I, he was always the one that pushed me <laughs> for like a. a Towards a little more uh, patchouli oriented, more earthy. Yeah, man. Songwriting. He's he's, he's, uh, he's a gypsy. I love the way he wrote songs. He was the one that really taught me how to turn a corner on a on a thought. 
uh, turn a corner on a melody. Um, his melodies. I don't, mean, I don't know if there's anybody can touch Walt Wilkins' melodies. It's just, he's just great. Um, I loved writing with Chris Masterson. Right. Great songwriter. What'd y'all write? Uh, Sleeping with the Lights On, amongst others. But Sleeping with the Lights On is the standout that I remember. Right. Um, uh, oh, great melody on that song. How often do you write by yourself these days? None. Zero. Really? Well, I mean, I'll start something. Right. But then I'll have to give it up because I don't know where to go with it. Right. I don't have a lot of confidence, if I'm honest about it. I mean, you know, there was a time, you know, in your 20s and 30s that you, you I mean, you know, you're cocksure and you're, you know, nobody's going to mess with you. That's funny you say that, man. You're like a hot chick that doesn't wear a bikini because she's, Insecure. I wear a one piece. <laughs> like, it's fu- like it's funny to hear you say that because it's like I know I can sing, Jack. I know I I, I can sing you anything you want. I've, I I have a voice and I and I have a sense of melody, but I don't. There are just a lot of times when I'm writing songs, I don't have a lot of confidence. So, is it that you don't have confidence in that you don't? You don't think it's good where you want it to go. You don't think it's good enough to go I think there. It's that or I just, just haven't given enough you time. Lose, you just lose. Your, you just get lost in it. I just think I think I've given enough time. I get uninterested. I go. I start moving off. You know. She leaves the breadcrumb pieces in her heart in every town. <laughs> Fuck, that's great. Call Radney. <laughs> You want to give it up. Let's yeah. let somebody help you finish it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you always been that way? Because you all those first couple records you wrote by yourself. Not always. Um, but when I got around Walt and I got around um, Waylon Payne, was another one I should have said that earlier. Um, when I got around some really good songwriters, mm-hmm. I really realized that man, there's some there there are guys that know how to do this better than I know how to do it. Right. And boy, if I have a good idea, they can really make a home run. True. You know what I mean? True that. Those guys are those guys are really good. Yeah. It's funny though. You talk to any songwriter, they don't know what they're doing any more than we do, but they do. Just finish it. Well, but I would say this, and you know it and I know it. When we get on stage and when the moment's right and when it's all clicking and the crowd is with us, we we can drive that. We can tell the crowd what to do. They'll do it. They'll right. do it in a minute. Right. Just like that. And um, and those guys can't do that. Right. Would you say that when you're on stage and that like – I've often said to people, the only time I really ever know what I'm doing is 90 minutes a night. <laughs> I I tell people I get paid to, to miss my family. I get paid to be away. And I'm looking at a picture of you and Jerry Jeff and you and a picture of Robert Earl and Todd and uh, Junior Brown. And, and I'm just, what I'm getting at is that 
we are we are a, we're an odd breed of people and and that's the, what it is we're not i mean we're not made like other people right we're just not and my dude my wife is the smartest person i know and when we do our little foundation thing and she has to get up there and talk at pebble beach to the crowd of 300 people she's trembling she gets a little emotional and it's not it's not the Corey green i know right and you put that in you put that microphone in front of you and me Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> man, the lights are just <laughs> on, and man, I mean, immediately, yeah. boom, we were like, "Hey, what's up, fuckers?" <laughs> yeah, I, it is funny. I want to watch that happen to someone like Corey or, or Amy or anybody. Amy, yeah. like, it's like starts seeing the red. Yeah, it starts getting flushed and freaking out. Hey, I don't mean to interrupt again, but Pat's got to go grab something real quick. How was that, Toe? It was, it was fantastic. When he gets back, um, touch on uh, the Wave on Wave days, especially how that corresponds with, with what you went through with Big Machine back in 07, 08. And then, be, you know, it'd be cool. Hey, sit down. we got to talk about some stuff. So speaking of, speaking of number one records. <laughs> You're an asshole. You only, you have one. Tell me what that experience was like for you. Because even though, we had similar experiences that uh, I think I think they were drastically different. The way I put it in my mind, so I wouldn't feel bad about you having a number one and me not, is that mine was number three for three weeks. So that's the same as a number one. It's true. <laughs> well, that's that's the path <laughs> that's that I was as going gay on. As I can make it. That's the path that I was going on. Is it? Sorry, cancel. Uh, <laughs> is it? I feel like Wave on Wave had much more of an impact on your crowd. Like I think I think you know I had wherever you are that went to number one, but if I don't play if I don't play wherever you are at a show, I'm not going to get in that much trouble from my fans. If you don't play Wave on Wave at every show, that's my, the price my, of admission. My line is when they start screaming for it <laughs> is they didn't bring my fat ass up here. For me to not play Wave on Wave. Right. You're going to get it. <laughs> right. Know? Like Wave on well, Wave. Like, it, my, you know, the thing that uh, Jerry Jeff used to always say, he goes, he, I loved it. That one time when, when Wave on Wave came and, I, and it was it was a gift from God and thank you. Um, but Are you calling I, Justin Pollard God? I did not say that about Justin Pollard. <laughs> <laughs> um, Who else helped you write that? David Newhauser and David I Newhauser. and Justin wrote that. Uh, what a song, man! But what I'm getting at is that that I, I realized at that moment because it was such a big hit that I was not a slave to it, but I was going to be playing it every night yeah. for the rest of my life, like you know the Ray Y. Hubbard line. Um, uh, but what Jerry Jeff, God rested, and and what a beautiful, precious gift he was to our lives. Um, he, uh, you know, when Wave on Wave came out, he go, 
I'd play that motherfucker three times a night. (laughs) 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 And I just was like, that's, that's great. That's so beautiful. That's so him. And I mean, I'm sure he didn't mean it, but I mean, I I, I bet you there was nights where he played Bojangles. He knew what songs meant. Yeah. He played Bojangles a couple times every now and then. I know. I don't, I don't think it was I, I, actually, I never saw him play that, but he always told me that he'd played a couple times a night. Of course. When it was, um, the thing, but, uh, there's no doubt that wave on wave was, the was the corner. It was, it's, it's where we went from. Okay. We're going to pretty good chance. We're going to make it to holy shit. Yeah, man. That was, I remember hearing that song. And going, oh boy. Wasn't Wave on Wave supposed to be a slower song, slower, vibier song? And then Universal came in, 11th hour. What's that backstory? No, I, I, mean, I old Matt, you're actually actually the guy that knows. Uh, <laughs> it was a slow song. I wrote it in the back of the bus. Um, we were in Birmingham, Alabama, and our bus was broken down in a Walmart parking lot and um i don't want to make too much theatrics out of it but it was a anyway um i i I wrote the chorus and i was like you know water blah blah blah. i was like this is this is a good idea and then we we had just signed with uh republic and just finished the three days record and Wave on Wave was coming, and they were pressing us. And David and and Justin were up in the front, um, just eating pizza and talking about I don't know whatever they're talking about. And I said, I think I got a pretty good song. Let's do it. And we wrote the verses and the bridge and everything within just a few minutes. I mean, it was the chorus was already there, and. Um, when we recorded it with Don Gaiman, who was, you know, who had done all the stuff with the Hootie and the Blowfish and uh, uh, Jackson Brown and a lot of Mellencamp. Yeah, Mellencamp stuff. You know, he was, you know, very accomplished producer. It was very slow. And then we brought it into uh, Mel Lewinter and Doug Morris and Tony Brown. And they were very specific, specific that that needed to be um, a more up to mid tempo and i threw a fit really i mean <laughs> i stood on monty's desk <laughs> both feet you're out of your mind what are you crazy it was jerry seinfeld oh yeah are you crazy and um i walked out of the office and jimmy perkins uh was my manager at the time just after the greg henry years and uh jimmy told me this is the moment of your career. He was that specific. He goes, you either play the game with this song or this game is over. Really? He was that clear. And he was right. Jack, did they say the same thing to you about Lips of an Angel? (laughs) (laughs) Did it was not, with Republic. <laughs> I do not want to bring that up, but uh, 
But yeah, uh, but they were they were they were absolutely uh, right. We went and I, I climbed down off the desk, <laughs> and um, we went to Nashville, and I had one of the craziest nights of my professional life that, that nobody else got to see. But um, what was it? Oh, we recorded it, but I was not going down easy. What happened? Tell me. Do you have a big enough bottle of vodka? <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. It was on, on top of your head. <laughs> really? You were so you were that bummed out about it? I didn't like it. I didn't. I didn't. I, I mean, I wrote it to be, and I thought it was such a cool song as a very. Um, Almost melodramatic song. I, I, you know, it's funny, man. Not and this is not to put it on me, but that's how I always heard it. Remember when I did yes, that? I did yeah, it for you your did a great for job your, of it. For your tribute record. And, and, okay, okay, that, okay. Let's get back to that, and and y'all should play that on your show here. Is that's that's the presentation that it was made for for me. Well, it, it is a dramatic song, and. And I had a lot of people would come to me afterwards and say, man, Jack really kind of fucked it up. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, no, he didn't. He did it right. Finally, he did it. Somebody did it right. You know? That's funny. And, uh, but whatever. Um, Man, that's life. Uh, you just such a great song, man. Yeah, but song. I think songs land on you. I don't. I don't necessarily think that you're. Yeah, I mean, there's guys that I, like Randy Newman that I think are, are just made to. They they talk in songs, right? Right. They just. It's just what comes out of them. I. I I think I'm the bastard child of Jimmy Buffett, Jack Ingram, Jerry Jeff Walker, and my mother. Somewhere in there, my mother had a weak moment. Yeah, she was good. <laughs> <laughs> She's still alive. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> she'll have a, she'll have a ball with that. Um, but I'm I'm not made to to make the great American song. Right. Or write the great novel, or I am made to make people have fun, and I I, I don't care about. I like being, well, I liked being famous. Now I'm just kind of old and around. But there was a time when I liked that, and now I just I I love. I love that I make people smile. Yeah, and you do. Um, it took me a while to understand what you were getting at when I would not, when I was sad, I was, I, I was upset. I don't know if sad is right, but I was, I was upset that I wasn't what I was. And you were, you would tell me that, you know, a million people would give their teeth to have what you have. To make people, I, I, I yeah. swear, man, every time I go to your shows, I, I see people so happy. And it's, it's just, it's a joyous. It just took me a long time to understand that, Jack. Yeah. It, it, I didn't get it. And, it, and then there's also the, you know, 
I mean, I'm not saying sobriety, but just not drunk. God, Jesus Christ, you don't have to be shit faced, right? To do this, right? You know, you don't, and you can you can just you can just be a good, fun loving guy. Now, I don't, personally, I can't. <laughs> I can't have. <laughs> I, there's, I don't have a stop point, but um, yeah, that editor, that monitor. Yeah. So, but what I'm getting at is, I, I, I have found that with friends like you, friends like Greg, and friends that that are just always around me. Uh, Phil comes to mind. Um, that just, man, I I love. This is a great gig. It's a great gig. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, do you have a new record coming out? I do. I was gonna actually let you listen to it. Did you bring it? I did. Yeah. Oh, killer! Oh, it's on your phone. It's on my phone. Oh, killer! I don't have any other way to do it. What's it called? Miles and Miles of You, written by Johnny. Who? Your boy. John Randall. Yeah. Oh, wow. Huh? He produced the record? No, no he no, wrote he, Miles he and Miles of You. That's what I, th I thought uh, that title sounded familiar. So, uh, we, we, were in, we were playing Heinz Field. Jesus Christ, this sounds so pretentious. Pittsburgh. <laughs> so pretentious, though. We were playing Heinz Field. <laughs> there were literally 60,000 people. Wow, was it a Chesney deal or something? Yeah, it was Chesney show, and um, the the record label was kissing my ass. Right, they were, and like, uh, what's the guy? Dust on the bottle. That guy was there. Um, David Lee Murphy. David Lee Murphy, John Randall. There was a handful of guys, mm -hmm. and they were all like, "Okay, we're about to write." The Wave on Rave it was the next project. Gotcha. All right. We'd just done three days and they were sending guys out to write with you. It's so sycophantic and weird and just. Yeah, but how like, fun, man. Like, but great. Getting some great writers out there. Anyway, John, uh, we were just. <laughs> I I don't know how to say how loaded we were. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we were in the I think that's how you the say it. Dungeon, <laughs> and um, uh, and I had this recording of John playing that song in the bus that night, and I mean Jeff Griffin, you know Beaner. Oh yeah, <laughs> he, he was there. He was whistling. <laughs> <laughs> just whistling along and and he kept saying john play mr record man play mr record you're not willing to ask the song play mr record man <laughs> <laughs> and, and john was just like uh, he was he was on a one track and he played that song and i was floored and to from that time on i Whenever I need a moment with Corey to have where I'm the not necessarily a hero, but when I want to have a you know dance in the hallway kind of moment, I play her miss I play her uh, uh, miles and miles of you, and um, so anyway we we cut that that's the top track, 
Um, I think you and I both have a great respect for everything that John has done in his life. He's just such a, I, I mean, I don't really know of anybody that's that talented. Yeah, he's great. And a great person. Yeah, right. Not a douchebag. Right. Uh, he produced the home record. Um, he got Lyle Lovett to record with me. He got Cheryl Crow to record with me. He did not get Lyle or Cheryl to record with you. Makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> I always, whenever I hear him play uh, Girls from Texas, I'm like, why the fuck would you give that to Pat? <laughs> like, Come on, I'm right here. You can see me, right? <laughs> I paid a lot for that. There was a lot of cash involved. No, there wasn't. <laughs> no. Just bad judgment. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take bad judgment. Jack Ingram, I love you. I love you, buddy. Good see you.